0: International.
1: Hey, good morning, good evening, good night. I don't know what time it is when you're listening to this, but thank you for listening. Uh, welcome to the listening room. This is a live storytelling podcast. Uh, Hello, my name is Joey Zimmerman, comedian living here in Austin, Texas. Um, Yeah, if you don't know the rundown by now, we've got some great storytellers, uh, different people on every time sharing some crazy stories, happy stories, sad stories, some a mix of all that in between. Uh, this episode features a lot of really talented folks. Um, we got um, a listening room favorite, Jesse Hensley, comedian in Austin, who was also on the first episode. Um, also have Jared McCorkle host a great podcast here in town uh, called Leading the Blind. Allie Dixon, very talented improviser, sketch writer, a comedian who recently just moved to L.A. And a local favorite here in Austin, Jared Hawley, tells a fun story of uh, when he used to drive for his day jobs and some run-ins with the police. Uh, Very good episode. A lot of different things going on. Rate us, subscribe us, tell us what's going on. Thank you guys so much for peeping. Uh, See you soon. Peace. Blue.
2: the space. Uh, if you you, know, you obviously don't know, this is a Listening Room. It's a live storytelling show. My name is Joey Zimmerman. I'm a comedian here in Austin. And once a month, I just get uh, storytellers, comedians, poets, musicians, creative people to share some interesting stories. Uh, could have some laughs, some funny things might happen. Um, you might hear some things that you totally not like or you totally don't agree with. Some people might share some crazy shit. Um, but just respect the space. Uh, respect everything that people have to share. Because um, this is a live recorded podcast. If you uh, heckle one of my friends, all of them are pretty quick, quick-witted, quick so uh, they could get a track of dissing you online to be shared on iTunes forever until the end of time. So don't want to be an asshole to the end of time. So uh, we're going to be chill and share stories, and you're all going to be chill and listen and have a good time. Does that sound good, huh? Oh yeah. yeah, cool. Uh, I'm going to start the show off with the first story of the night. You right, guys, ready to go? Straight through the sun? Straight through the heart of the sun? Yeah! Good, cool. Um, I, uh, I'm not from here. I'm from a little town in Nebraska called Wahoo. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah, It's a little Dr. Seuss town. Um, there's only like 2,000 people in the town. And when we had parties, a lot of parties happened uh, in some creeks, uh, in some barns. The occasional parents out of town at a house is where this story happens. Um, There is also a great party place we used to have. uh, We referred to this place as the caboose, which was just the end of a train, a caboose, uh, but parked at the end of a lake, and it was just vacant. And we would just get drunk and high in this caboose all. Was like all of sophomore year and until so one year someone kicked like these bricks it was standing on and we everyone at the party together watched it slowly sink into the lake behind it like some lord of the flies situation <laughs> watching what we just built in love slowly die um, one time i had a party my friend brent Benish, who's gone now he passed away but he we built this lodge in his dad's cornfield just putting two by fours together put some dirty mattresses in there i remember one time he he snuck this cigar box from his dad full of about 50 cigars and me and my like good friends from high school just shared a cigar in in that fort the story I want to share today takes place at takes place at Ryan's house.
0: <laughs> and
2: Ryan, Ryan's parents weren't, were never home. Ryan's parents were never there, and he had the perfect house to have a party at. Uh, his house was the first time I was drunk swimming. We had a big pool in the backyard. It was, I was filled with bliss. Um, <laughs> This this story is about the first time that I smoked weed. Oh my God. Yes, it's it's good, but it's it gets there. Um, so we, uh, me and my buddy Clay, uh, roll up, found out a party about at uh, at Ryan's house, we're like, hell yeah, Ryan's house. A couple of things happen at Ryan's house. Everyone gets drunk, pools involved. Also, he he went to a different school than I went to. His school is about twenty minutes away. Here's the thing about uh, schools in Nebraska; they're kind of scattered, so. They're like 20, 30 minutes away from each other. So when kids have parties at some houses, people know each other. There's probably like five or six different schools from different cliques of people at these parties. So it's going to be a big party and a lot of variety of people. And I'm from a town of like a couple thousand people. So I'm like, oh, a big party. I'm ready. I'm excited to go. I'm just at the end of my sophomore year. I want to do this. Um, So we go to this party. Uh, It's big. It's popping. Eventually, I do get asked... Uh, to smoke some weed outside. Uh, it, was, uh, it was me and Clay, my buddy Brian, and some dude I don't know to this day. I don't know who that man was, but he was the man with the weed, so <laughs> he was special in some part of my life. Um, we smoked it out of an apple, which was very, very elementary for a first time, very good. And there we go, some mutual souls in the space. I appreciate that. Feels good. Feels good to know you're not alone, you know?
0: Feels
2: good. We loaded that apple up, man, probably like three or four times before we were like, all right, let's get ready to go back into this party. So we, we go into the party, we're walking up there, and like, man, immediately, I feel like just cool. Like, I'm walking in the party, I'm shooting finger guns at people I don't know. There were like some random people from Brazil. At this party, they're wearing like Brazilian soccer jerseys, and they're like in the kitchen hanging out. I was just hanging out with them now, just shooting this shit with them, like very talkative. And everyone was like, man, did you just so slow smoke? And I was like, yeah, man, I just hit the, I just hit. Like, I've been doing it like fucking forever. Um, and then what now? a really fun thing happened um my friend sarah came up to me she's like hey i want to show you something in this room over here i want to show you something in this room i was like all right let's go in there and i go into this room and she shuts the door behind us i was like what are you trying to do and she grabs me starts making out with me and plopped me on the bed i was like whoa this was like her first swing too in high school i was like weed is awesome man everything. So I'm making out with uh, Sarah, and a couple of casual times, Clay doesn't know where I am, he gets scared, and people say I'm in the room with her, and he would knock periodically. He'd be like, Joe, you're in there? I'd be like, get away, man. I'm, I'm hanging out in here with Sarah, get out of here. Um, so we're having a good time in there. Um, here's what starts forming outside of the party. Um, they would have these occasionally. Um, it's basically just like a big fight club. Um, Yeah, a couple of the more masculine fellows from the schools would get together and basically just who wants to fight who. Um, My friend, a, a guy named John from my school was fighting some dude I don't know and everyone, you know, was in a circle watching this fight happen uh my buddy john starts kind of kicking this guy's ass pretty good he has him on the ground he starts beating him up uh, some guy uh, runs up behind him and he was friends with the buddy who's getting his ass kicked and he kicks john in the back of his head with his like steel-toed boat boots boots that he was wearing um and his head just split open and he was like bleeding everywhere um and uh at that point i remember clay came back because he was watching the fight he ran in he came back to the room he knocked again he's like dude you gotta see what happened to john and i was like again like no man like you don't understand i'm doing something in here i can't go see john um so after that dude kicks John in the head I guess they all sort of celebrated John rolled away but he ran to his car and got his gun and came back to the party and fired it in the air and was like which one of you motherfuckers kicked me in the head and people were like ratting out names and he was pointing the gun at different people and shooting it in the air multiple times um, so then Clay comes back to the room again and this time he doesn't even knock or like say we gotta go, he like kicks it down and he's like, Joey, we gotta get the fuck out of here <laughs> and I'm like, Sarah's on top of me, I'm like, dude what, and he's like, gunfire let's go, and I was like, God I, I, we're on, what was it at the time, Messenger, I'll talk to you on Messenger later um, peace, so we run outside people are running everywhere um, out of the party, outside the house, and we run outside, and we see it. And I see my buddy John with the gun. And the other school is called Raymond Central, where the people were from. And my friend John sees me, and he's like, "Come on, Zimmerman, we gotta get these Raymond Central motherfuckers." I was like, "Not me, dude. I'm not fight, dude. I'm not." I like, I like was like buying for like a split second as he was going crazy. And I was like. And as soon as the tension was like that way, like me and Clay like dip, we like ran, we bolted. And uh, as we ran, um, I remembered, cause when I was hanging out with those Brazilian dudes in the kitchen, I was trying to impress them. I was like juggling some fruit, I was like having some peaches. And, uh, later when we ran away down the country road, because my friend Clay his house was like maybe three miles away from Ryan's in the country, so we just started like running on a country gravel road to like wherever we thought his house was until we saw the nearest like county marker, we'd know where we were, Um, but while running I realized I had all these peaches and these (laughs) these mangoes in my coat, so after we got done running and we were exhausted, I took them out and we shared some peaches on our nice walk home and uh, I remember him getting really pissed off because it was just I was the one eating them at, mainly because it was really quiet at the night walk and you would just hear like. <laughs> until this day. He still makes peach jokes about that. Um, then I remember, and this is then how I just started smoking uh, cannabis more casually, because uh, I had a pretty bad, like, and I'm a pretty fun, really chill guy now. Like, in high school I was very angry. Uh, and just definitely, like, I uh, had a lot of bipolar stuff going on. And I told my counselor at the time that I smoked weed and it felt good. And he was like, maybe you should start doing that more often. And I was like, I was like the first adult to like, ever tell me that. I was like, people do that? And he was like, uh, Joey, I know some people who smoke weed and then drive their car. I was like, oh, no way. And until this day, uh, I still smoke weed from the random man I met at that car and it still feels good. And parties in high school are fucking crazy. That's gonna do it for me. And thank you for letting me share my story. Take us off
0: to your next performer. Yeah.
2: The next gentleman coming up is a very talented comedian here in town, runs some shows, uh, runs a podcast I love a lot called Leading the Blind. You can find that as well on iTunes. Uh, Also produced by the same network that produces this show called The Body Tape, INTL. Um, Yeah, they're good. Check them out. Uh, It's called Leading the Blind where they interview different comics about their uh, status of growing up and learning comedy and applying it to their life going forward. Uh, You're going to absolutely love them. Everybody give
3: it up for Jared McCorkle. I'll give it up for Joey. Keep it going,
0: Brandon.
3: <laughs> yeah, the significance of that is that usually when the host brings you up, they're like, "Do you have anything you'd like me to so plug or anything like that?" And they usually just don't give a shit at all. And he didn't ask me that, so that means that was actually in his head. That's a huge compliment. So thank you, Joey. I Appreciate that. All right. I love you. I'm not ready to say that to you yet, but I <laughs> we are getting there. <laughs> but I wanted, I wanted to start with a quote that I read recently and I just thought it like, summed up the story that I've been actually talking for a while. Uh, if anybody knows who said this, please tell me. Uh, fuck Google. If you are not willing to risk the unusual, you have you will have to settle for the ordinary. Like I have tried my best, like sort of intuitively to live by that quote. Cool. I didn't know it, but that was kind of like I guess just where I'm at and what I do. And uh, so, in that vein, in uh, June twenty five sorry, twenty six two thousand two, I joined the military. Uh, and, and yeah, I served for five years uh, until June 26, 2007. Okay, so do the political math there for a second. The imp- <laughs> the important, uh the important thing about that is to, I'm I'm so bad at that. Like so bad at the military. I'm not did and that's why I want to do it, because I just knew there was this part of me that needed something like who here is from an awful town? Just a completely <laughs> shitty town. I did it, dang, I did it out of boredom, right? Which, by the way, it, what kills me about that is that that's a real motivation. If you tell people that you joined the military because you were bored, that sounds like this trivial thing. No! Like, boredom is, the, is a fucking disease that It's just awful and can't span. So it was worth sort of joining... And so, like I said, I joined right after, if you did the math, right after 9-11, right? Because uh, it seemed like a good time. That was like, everybody was kind of into war at that point. I don't like some of you are old enough to remember. It seemed that I was young. And I was like, well, uh, if I stay in this town, my life is going to be awful. Uh, and everybody's saying that is a good thing to do. Uh, so I joined. And when... When you're like the first year when you're in the military, right? It, it, it kind of doesn't matter what you're doing. You're just entranced by it, and you're trying to figure it out, and you're constantly being monitored and stuff like that. So you don't really get to think about political events until I don't know, like I said, like a year in. Then you start concerning yourself with it, and uh, because things chill out, if people sort of leave you alone. You're allowed to read books and watch TV and shit like that. And then you guys might know uh, the uh, somewhere like uh, about a year after my uh, uh, enlistment, the Iraq War kicked off. You guys might have heard about this. Uh, turns, out it was a, turns out it was a bad idea. Uh, and I was seeing that shit happen, and that bad idea happen in real time, right? And like I said, I'm a plucky, critical thinker, fucking self-important, narcissistic, uh, moralist douchebag. So I was like, this is wrong. And so I applied for something uh, called conscientious objection. Does anybody know what that that means? Anybody got uh, everyone seeing quiet? Okay. Uh, So if you don't know what it means, it's Saying that you're morally opposed to what I thought at the time was being morally opposed to the war. Right? Turns out that's not the case. It, it, you have to be morally opposed to war itself. And, you know, you have to be. Good, it was like a little proviso they said for like Quakers and the Amish. And I'm like on my way here, I thought about killing like four people for bad reasons, no good reason at all. Um, but so, I, but the point for me was that like it was like this is it became really clear to me that it was way easier to, to go, ironically, than to say I think I'm against this war. I think it's the, the bad reason. Also, if you don't know why I was against, it, just read about it. Just, <laughs> just the Wikipedia. So. I declare it. And when you do that in in that context, in that in the height of, of that period, that was like telling everybody in your unit like, make me a pariah, please. I need everyone here to hate me. Uh, and you know, they called me they were like, you're a fucking, you're a faggot and you're a pussy and you're a communist and all that. And that's all true. But like saying it like that, <laughs> and whatever, and and they then they investigate you. You talk to all these people. You have to talk to like a. Uh, you have to talk to like a like a psychologist to just make sure you're not crazy. They interview your family to make sure that it's like real. Uh, uh, you have to you have to talk to a chaplain, which is to be real perverse because the chaplain's job is not to like theologically like. Have a disguise it's basically to convince you Jesus kind of is into murder sometimes, like just a little bit. Uh, I think it's uh, yeah, an awful chap and suck. Anyway, uh, but you have to write a, a uh, what do you call it, like a kind of religious, if you're not religious, you have some sort of inclination. I'm an atheist, so I wrote, I didn't know what, I wrote existentialism. I read one book, I read The Stranger. <laughs> pretentious like I have worked for a lot of my life to just get over that level of pretension but I was I it turns out Camu was like pro war I didn't fucking know what they had to do just I'm just giving you some uh this this is just condition for the thing so while they're investigating you turns out like I said I had to go anyway because they were like you don't count as a conscience checker you're you're not against all war it doesn't we all fucking think this is weird but you're going so I went but before that about six months leading up to my first deployment to Iraq um, they put me in headquarters unit, you know, right? Because that's where they put the fucking weirdos. The, it's, the S-L-L-C, the sick, lame, lazy, crazy. Beautiful little group of people. Headquarters unit you know, is just every person who's got some sort of problem, is too weak, is untrainable. Uh, anyway, just that kind of stuff. And um, I met... I, I, start, I It was awful. Everybody in my unit hated me, but these people were fucking fascinating to me. But I met this guy, and I can't say his name. So let me just throw out a first name so I can just have something. Ralph. What is it? Oh, uh, that's my name, so it's going ah!
0: to be confusing. Ralph. And, Ralph, let's do it. uh
3: <laughs> so, so I meet this guy who's in the unit, uh, Ralph, and Ralph is being—that was his name at no But it, he was getting chaptered out of the military for uh, like what I can only describe as like chronic cocaine use. I <laughs> The military was like, you have to do way less cocaine. He's like, oh, I like cocaine way better than being a soldier. So I'm just gonna keep doing it. Right? Like, yeah, okay, you're getting out of there. Out of there. Um, so we became fast friends because like I said, he was a cocaine addict. He was also uh, an evangelical Christian who believed demons were real and talked to him sometimes. So he's like a Cormac McCarthy character. It fucking fascinating. Uh, I want to go back. I missed one small detail. So I did you guys hear when I said I, I was gay at one point? So here's the thing that was weird about me. No, I'm not. It's <laughs> I just forecasting that I like suck his dick. It's nothing to do with that. I just, I the pin and how big of an asshole I am, right? Because, like, this sounds like I'm a very courageous person. Uh, and maybe it was difficult to tell people I was a conscientious objector. This was during don't ask, don't tell. If I wanted to get out of the military, right, all I had to do was go into my CEO's office and be like, uh, you know, uh, I like uh, uh, guys. And he would be like, gross, you're out. And in three days, <laughs> three days. I would've been out in the like fucking military, but I had to be grandiose. I was like, have principles, and they have to know, or whatever." Um, so anyway, yeah. So uh, uh, Ralph and I, we got. Back. Friends, he's really he's a cool guy, and we were stationed in Germany. So he had a German girlfriend, and her name was Tissa. Uh, and I can say her name because she's cool with it or whatever. Uh, and I I kind of felt a little bit in friend love with it because she was like uh, Christoph Waltz in Django Unchained, right? But as a girl, and before I saw that movie, she was just fucking great. She was just a character. She was like a goth guy. She's like also like Dieter, that Mike Myers character. Just uh, I just thought she was awesome. Um, so we're all hanging out in the barracks. We're on this little weird island of misfit toys, <laughs> and Ralph looks at me. We're drinking, and he kind of like, apropos of nothing before, he just stares at me, and he's like, "You're fucking my girlfriend." Oh, I know that you're fucking my girlfriend. I, that was hard eye <laughs> contact. <laughs> <laughs> And I figure, like, I, my reputation can't get any worse. What's the harm? I kind of trust this person. I'll just go ahead. I was like, "Look, you don't have anything to worry about. I am i said anything. I'm actually gay, so I would never have sex with your girlfriend. Never." And a little parenthesis to this uh, uh, story: I did actually fuck her. So I did. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I it was the last try, <laughs> you know. And, uh, <laughs> We're going to be in Germany, and she also was authoritative as a person. I lay there and think of John Hamm or whatever. Um, but he, I didn't feel like that was the appropriate time to be completely truthful. So I was like, "So gay, I would never, ever do that." And, uh, and that's when he told me uh, he was like, "Oh, uh, it, just like his face just went placid. <laughs> he just like he wasn't mad at me, not suspicious. It's just like, oh, I understand. You know, that's cool. It's no big deal. I would never judge you because I, uh, I have sex with dogs. Like I like." Fuck. <laughs>
0: And I was, I, I, and
3: I was like, yeah, of course, yeah, you do, of course did you do, because you know when somebody will tell you something like that, you, 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 I don't, it's not conscious, it's your instinct is like, don't move your face in a weird way,
0: because
3: <laughs> it's, it, it's, the, it really is the kind of like secret that if somebody finds out you're talking about, they'll just kill you, like you're just. Like, yeah, um. <laughs> I not want to be overly graphic for you kind of people. I don't know how your dreams or anything. But it, it, it turned out uh, it turned out that he didn't actually uh, fuck dogs. He liked dogs to fuck him. Oh, oh my
0: god. Yeah? And
3: I don't know it kinda of, like up our pulley system, have to make that. I imagine it has pedals. Look, I honestly just respect. It's disgusting. We we all we all agree. I want to be clear. I'm on the record. That is against God. Uh, but I just res, I just respect it. The, the amount of like just how the drive and commitment to make that kind of sexuality work. Anyway, uh, and I and also I want to put I want to draw special attention. You get that. Because he's a evangelical from Tennessee, he was being ecumenical. He was trying to relate to me. You understand that? Like, it wasn't, he, like, I didn't know how to take it, like, whether it's insult, because he was basically like, oh, do you love meth? That's, I regularly suck my the Same thing. You and me. Same thing. Yeah. Honestly, not, know. Is obviously don't have Innings Right just, It wasn't like And then we both Fucked our dog together Whatever There's nothing like that <laughs> um, I said we didn't Right I said, yeah. But later on Facebook kind of Kind of gave me A pin to this Like kind of Or bow or whatever Uh Because I'm doing this And this is what My life is like I really do Love what I do I love where I'm at In my life But it is not A high status Kind of thing And I looked at, up On Facebook This Ralph guy uh, And he's a lawyer now. (laughs) He's a lawyer. That is the thing he gets to do. He he is a lawyer in Tennessee, right? um, And I have this fantasy that, you know, because he's not a bad guy, but it is a kind of weird thing. Uh, I, I have this fantasy one day he'll be, like, in a courtroom prosecuting some case, right? You know, and it's like Tennessee, so it's like some black kid had a book or something. And it's very important. You guys aren't familiar with racism. That's fine. Okay. So, uh, uh, and and right before the jury is about to like tell the case, right before they're gonna sit, read their opinion or whatever, uh, you know, Ralph is gonna win the case. He's gonna prosecute this, and then just in movie fashion, some like nervous, feel like panic page is gonna rush through the double doors and hand like a piece of paper to the defense attorney. Defense attorney's gonna read it. Be like. Fucker, and then case dismissed. Am <laughs> <laughs> I? Uh, that, that's me, guys. Thank you so much for listening to my story. Give up yeah, the case. everybody, one time, let him hear it. Let him hear it one time. Let them
2: hear it. Fuck oh, yeah, fuck yeah, very talented dude. Um, next gentleman, about to share. Uh, hear another story you shared I believe he was like on the first or second episode so peep that out um, very talented comic really funny dude everybody give it up for Jesse Hensley
4: thank you guys I'm real hot how are you guys I just like I didn't, I was ready to be here and I'm real excited I still am but like I noticed half the room leave it's just subconsciously somewhere I'm like, you know, did I fart and I don't know it? I don't know. You always worry, but I'm glad to be here. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, a little bit about me before I launch into my bullshit. My name's Jesse, and originally I am from Northeast Texas. Like, I was born and raised there, and that is also why now, whenever I talk, it always sounds like I'm about to be real racist all the time, which is real fun in a city like Austin to have. Uh, but I deal with it I try to make do I just try to be real self aware that I do have this accent you know and try to make you guys a promise up front that I'm not gonna cover anything important ever at all. Okay, guys, so are we on a good terms. All right. All right, good. I, uh, I do want to clear up some misconceptions. Early on when I started comedy, I did it first off because I wanted to be famous one day. That's why I think I started off wanting to do comedy. And, uh, and then I realized one day at Round Rock Donuts that everybody has a different idea of what famous means. <laughs> because Round Rock Donuts thinks that they are world famous. And I remember just being like, you know what, there's no way... Way that I will ever wake up and read Twitter and be like Round Rock Donuts was just bombed by ISIS <laughs> like there's no way that's ever gonna happen but like probably ISIS could get bombed by Round Rock Donuts and I would believe that news story more I don't know I just know that one day I'll consider myself famous if ISIS ever takes credit for like this bombing on tape you know what I mean if, just, if they see the tweet and they're like that one's on us that would be my idea of fame i it at that point I, uh, I grown up in East Texas, I like this, I, I say growing up in East Texas, I think everybody gets to have cool sayings, but we have the better ones if you have ever been there. They say some weird shit and it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it rolls off the tongue and I love a lot of them. I think they come from there, or we claim them at least, alright, don't sue us in a court of law. But I remember my favorite ones being, uh, one of the ones was whenever my granddad would say to me whenever he thought I was lying he would tell me boy don't you pee on my leg and tell me it's raining and I never understood it growing up right until I got a little older and I kind of understood what it meant but I still think that's a weird fucking saying I think it makes no sense and I think it had to have been created a long time ago when things were different back when it was okay to pee on people (laughs) as long as you didn't tell them about the weather while you're doing it it's like hey we have iPhones now all right Greg don't act like I'm dumb can't afford things while you pee on me. I don't know what my granddad was into either. To be honest with you, Just, I didn't get to talk to him a lot. Who did the right there? That
5: was me. Sorry. Yeah. You don't, don't claim somebody else's. All right.
4: I know it wasn't you. I was a man. Was man, huh? All right, let's move on. I'm sorry. I, uh, another saying that I really like growing up. Uh, actually, I didn't like the saying. I, I believed it for a little while, and it kind of made me mad when I realized it wasn't real. Whenever people would tell you that, like, a light, like getting struck by lightning, not to worry about it because it was real rare. It was exactly like winning the lottery three times in a row. And I, like growing up, I just always remember being like, you know what? I bet you would not walk into a hospital room right now of somebody who just got struck by lightning and tell them that, like, hey, I just won the lottery three times, we're exactly the same. (laughs) Like, I bet they would fight you if they could, Uh, but they probably couldn't, because the instructor Biden sucks, you know what I mean? And it's rare. It's not even like, it's like, you know, hey, somebody got exploded real fast with hot fire. No word? How was everybody else around him? Oh, no, it was just him. Yeah, it reached down from the sky and it grabbed him, and then it disappeared, and no one has any evidence. It's weird. It's almost like, God hates people. And, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, that's just exactly like winning the lottery three times and buying C nude out and just having a good life. That's the same. I hated that saying. Uh, another one I hated was whenever they would tell you a picture was worth a thousand words. That one's got to be super old, right? Like, especially with the day of memes. You know what I mean? Like, if a picture was worth a thousand words, like how much is that worth in like dollars? You know what I mean? Have you ever thought about that? Like, what if it was just a, a picture of a word, like the word word? Oh, yeah. What is that worth? You know what I mean? If it's a good name, if it's really good, if for some reason you guys like it, you know what I mean, a lot, what is that worth in dollars? Still probably about 17 cents is what I'm guessing. I don't think it's worth a lot. I think back in the day before they had pictures, how did they even come up with that saying there? I don't know. I'm, Like I said, I'm real high. I shouldn't even drop those up. This stuff is not finished up here either. Uh, I'm gonna tell you guys a long ass story that's like six minutes long and then I'll get out of here. I like to (laughs) I like to let my crowds know when the end's coming up Not
0: because
4: I'm like a big Christian or anything. I don't want to freak you guys out. It's like, but I was raised a Christian, and I remember always appreciating it when my preacher would do his servants. He would always stop like 10 or 15 minutes out. He's like, hey gang, about 10 or 15 more minutes I'm going to wrap this bullshit up. All right, hang in there. With we all want to watch the Cowboys play. Uh, so I like to do that for you guys. You know, I think it's nice. That's thoughtful. And the story I'm going to tell you goes kind of along with the line. I used to have a big problem lying. I used to be really bad at it. I couldn't get away with it very often. I've gotten a lot better at it. I don't get caught as much. But I remember having a big problem and I learned a big, big lesson about lying, how it can affect you going forward back in the eighth grade. And I got to tell you this before I tell you the story to make it make sense. When you're in East Texas as a boy, girls don't have this, but as a boy, when you're in the eighth grade and you graduate to the ninth grade, they also call it graduate. When you go to the ninth grade, East Texas, you don't need it anymore. You're good for the workforce. Uh, but when you graduate, they give you two choices, basically. They're like, you can either go play football, or you can you can go have a real shitty life. What do you want to do forever, right now? And I remember, this was like, I was like 14 years old, way before I knew that I could be a comedian, way before I knew I wanted a shitty life. So I thought it was a loaded question, and I chose football, and they were like, good choice. And I remember playing football, and about two months went by, and I didn't like it, and a guy hit me in the leg during practice one day, when I was real tired, and I fell down, and I remember I remember just thinking like you know what if I don't move my muscles like they'll eventually just have to play around me or something like I don't have to play football what am I doing right now playing football and then I was like you know what just be a dude get up power through be strong you don't want your friends to pick on you forever and have a real shitty life yet and then the third thought, wasn't even a thought, it was just like a reaction. I, I reached down, and I grabbed my knee, and I was like, my knee hurts. <laughs> Which, in hindsight, is exactly how it happens in the NFL. If you watch, when they hurt their knees, they're like, my knee hurts. Um, and my coach, at the time, wasn't a real NFL coach. You know, He was a high school history teacher with a drinking problem, and he <laughs> thought it was real. So he was like, hey, go sit on the sideline and rest. And I was like, all right. And I went and rested. A few plays went by, I noticed two things. One, I was like technically not having to play any football at the time, and two, I was still a member of the football team. And that was when I realized that you don't have to be smart to have a light bulb moment because those are for everyone. I knew I was onto something. And the coach was like, Hey, Henzo, are you ready to go back in? I was like, Hey, coach, no, I am not. It still hurts. And he's like, Well, this might be serious. Like, just leave practice right now. Leave early, go home, ice your knee, see how it feels in the morning. And I said, Bet. And I left practice that day happier than I had ever been. And I went home and I came back to school the next morning. My coach saw me in the hall, not fake limping. You have to fake limp if you're going to have a fake knee injury. I forgot this. This is just free for you guys if you're going to pull it off at work. But uh, he was like, Hey, Hensley, it looks like your knee is feeling way better today. That's great. And I was like, actually, that's not a great coach. That is crazy because I think I slept on it weird and it hurts worse today. Like it looks bigger. I think it's swelling. And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to get you out of school right now and personally take you to the physical therapist. And I remember just being like, you know what, fuck this. Maybe I should just tell the truth right now, because this is getting into medical terms that I don't really fully understand all the way. And he ended up dropping this phrase, don't worry though, since you're on the football team, you know, it's under the school's insurance. It's free to go. (laughs) (laughs) She gets it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No, you provided the most joy I've had this whole set. so (laughs) far. (laughs) I appreciate it, but enjoying myself now. Alright, we're back in the group here, guys. Uh, But yeah, I uh, I ended up going, you know, just whatever was best for the team at that point. I was all in. And the physical therapist, we get there, he looks over my knee, does his whole physical therapist thing, and he goes, hey, you know what's crazy about this knee? And I was like, what? He goes, it looks exactly like there's nothing fucking wrong with it at all. It's actually the healthiest knee that I believe I've ever encountered. And I was like, you know what's crazy about that to me? And he's like, what? And I was like, you're just a physical therapist, not a real doctor, right? And I swear to God, he said, you know what, most people don't call me on that, not at the age of 14 at least, but you're right, yeah, I'm not. And we could have skipped this whole thing. And I was like, good idea. So he sends me to a regular doctor, right? Like a real doctor. He didn't call him that. He calls him a doctor. But we both know what the fuck he means. Uh, and I go to this doctor. He looks at my knee. He puts me in an MRI. Oh, my right? No. Which is another point where I probably should have just fessed up. Because this is like me, a 14-year-old redneck kid looking at science right in the face. And being like, you're not shit. You know what I mean? Like, I can figure out how to get around you. Uh, uh, but no, I just went through it. I was like, I think I can think myself into a knee injury if I really think hard enough. I don't know what I thought, but there was a lot of thinking involved uh, that was wrong, apparently. Because I went, and uh, the doctor calls me up after looking at the MRI results. He's like, hey, look, I I agree with the fake doctor, man. There's nothing wrong with his knee at all, you know, and, and I don't really know what to tell you. Does it still hurt? And I'm like, yeah, it still hurts. kind of like worse than it's ever hurt, to be honest with you. And he was like, all right, kid. Here's a, here's, here's, where, here's here's where I went wrong. I didn't know real doctors could like, call you on your bluffs, like on your lies. I didn't know they could do that. That's what that extra two years of school is for, it turns out, like for them to be able to call you out on lies. But my doctor looked at me, and he was like, all right, kid, if you're still telling the truth and it really hurts that bad, Uh, we only have one way to go to get you back out there on the football field with your big games and stuff and that is to go in and have an arthroscopic knee surgery (laughs) and I was like what's that and he's like it's a fucking real knee surgery dude and I was like "Ooh, okay that sounds serious he's like it is uh we cut you open you know we're gonna put you to sleep anesthesia the whole nine and I remember thinking just like you know how the fuck did I get here right now because this is just like three months into a lie right this is so far I've seen five doctors two of them are real there's a lot going on and I'm gonna have a hard time explaining to my mom, and I remember just thinking about like how I could even fess up to something at this point, right? Like I was like, I don't, do I even have a choice? And the doctor fucking drops the phrase, don't worry, and that piqued my attention. And he's like, don't worry, you know, like the surgery is not that invasive. And I remember being like, alright, that's awesome. What does invasive mean? <laughs> because I don't know. And he was like, invasive means it's a big deal. And I was like, so the surgery is not a big deal. And he's like, right. As far as surgeries are concerned, this is not that big of a surgery. You know, it won't even leave any scars. And uh, two weeks later, I had knee surgery. <laughs> On a knee that didn't need surgery. And uh, the lesson I learned from it, I guess, is kind of just be careful, you know, what you wish for. Because my knee has hurt every goddamn day since. For real. Like, and it's weird when I say that now. Even my girlfriend makes fun of me. Anytime I feel sick, she's like, my knee hurts. And I'm like, all right, bitch, I'm really dying. Of cancer. I'm not dying. If I was... I'd probably be getting booked more, to be honest with you. No, uh, that would be even worse. It's like, hey guys, I'm dying of cancer. They're like, we don't care. Oh, Alright, I want to close out on something good but, you know, sometimes life is up and down. You just never know which way it's going to go. Uh, I'll tell you this. Uh, one more story about East Texas. I had to overcome a lot of things. Like I, said, like I said, I'm dumb. I feel like that's a cop out. I just had to relearn a lot of how to live life in order to be a decent human. Like, growing up my dad taught me that men and women, like, there was a real double standard and that, and like, don't worry about changing it because that's just the way it is and we're on top so high five, go pee in the woods and stuff and I remember just being like whatever he taught me this during a game of basketball about the peeing on the woods thing I had to go to the bathroom and he was like hey don't worry about going inside you know there's no girls out here just go pee on something you're a boy, you can do that. And for like two fucking weeks, I remember feeling better than I've ever felt in life, right? Like just in general, I've been happier during that two-week period where I peed on things, whatever I wanted, than I have ever since And any accomplishment. But I remember it coming to a halt. Uh, because one day I was playing basketball by myself outside and my mom and dad weren't home They were on their way home from work and I had that same feeling I to go to the bathroom And I remember uh, looking around making sure nobody was there Nobody was and I found a nice spot right in front of the house like right in front of the front porch And I hooked my legs into the front porch and I turned around backwards and I took a real big dump right in front of my front porch where you walked up to the door. And then I went back to shooting basketball like I had just did nothing wrong at all because I was a boy and could do that. I don't know what I was thinking at the time, but my mom got home first. Best case scenario, right? Of the two, she walks up and almost steps in my poop. I know because I stopped shooting long enough to watch. I know this. That's how I know. I think I knew something. I was doing something wrong eventually. You know what I mean? Because like I, I knew that I could poop outside, but I also knew that like my mom was gonna step in my poop, and I wanted to see it because it was gonna be weird and awkward for everyone. And she didn't step in it, which is kind of a bummer in hindsight. But she uh, looked up at me and she realized that what I had done that it was my poop and there were no animals to blame other than me, Uh, her son. And she was just like, look, dude. And she called me dude, by the way, at this exchange, which was the hardest part because I think about that shit a lot. I was her son at the time. And I remember she was like, look, dude, did you do this? Like, just be honest with me. And I was like... Yes, mom, I did. And she just was like, Look, I'm not going to explain this to you. I'm not going to tell you any further than this, but you cannot do stuff like this. All right, Jesse, you just can't. You just can't do stuff like this. And I swear to God, I looked at her in the eyes and I said, Actually, mom, you can't do stuff like this because you're a girl. And that was the day that I learned that men and women were equal. Because she was-
0: <laughs> Thank
4: you, guys. Y'all have been great.
2: Uh, Our next performer, she's a very talented comedian, improviser, sketch writer. Uh, she's going to be leaving us to go to LA pretty soon. Uh, she's working on a short film right now called Existing, so if you like her, look for that in the future. Everybody, keep it going for Allie Dixon! Yay! Thank you. Hi! Um,
5: uh, Joey, you told a story earlier about. Um, a kid's house right who the parents was never home and they always had parties I was Ryan um so let me tell you a little bit about that um my my mom I grew up with parents that were addicts but like in the cool way you know Um, Like my mom, I would know that she was really high in coke because she would just like frame all the puzzles that she had done that day. We would have like a really nice decor in our house, which is really great. Um, And she was cool. Like she was cool and she defended me a lot, which was great. So like one time um, we were having one of these infamous parties that we had in my house and I also had a pool. Um, I know. Privilege. I know. I realize now. Um... And this fucking little asshole, Billy Spang, and I will say his real name because he deserves it. Um, he would do this thing where he would like go on our little deck and he would like throw pepperonis into the pool, like what? Just to be fun, like. Don't I could eat stones, sir. So. Um, just like throwing them into the pool. And my mom was so pissed about it because she gets pissed about really small things. Um, and big things, but mostly small things. Um, and she, so she was like, I'm going to get back at him. And the best situation presented itself because um, one time he left he decided uh, I had a party with my brother we, we, we went in my parents went to Las Vegas once it was the 90s Clinton we were all rich and, and um, they went to Vegas lost so much money but it was fine because we had a pump. just asshole throwing pepperonis in the pool and then he passed out in my parents bedroom just like like this just on my parents bedroom but he took like all of his pants off but just he had a shirt on just all of his pants were off I think he hid them I don't know what he did he He left my house without pants on and my mom for Ever until this day still has his pants with his wallet in it because she would not. He kept calling me. He kept calling me like, "Oh, Billy now you're gonna call me old fuck. You're gonna call me old jock. You call me Nana that you left your pants at my house." And he was like, "I need those. It has my fake ID because he was popular. It has my fake ID." And I'm like, "I don't know where they are. They were, you slept in my parents' bed, <laughs> pantsless." And my mom is now holding them over your head. Literally, because you're very short. Um, no, but she never gave them back to him. And that's not the story. I just wanted to let you know how cool my fucking mom is. Um, she actually was my lunch lady growing up. And she did get fired for giving me free food. But it's cool. Um, it's cool. I realize now I'm not that cool. But it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, she also did this fun thing. Um... When I was growing up, I was in this love triangle in middle school with um, John Russo and Janelle DiCarlo, real names, and you both suck. (laughs) Um, And uh, the only reason I would know Janelle DiCarlo wasn't dating John and it was me was because, like you said, we had AIM Messenger, right, and we had those little profiles. And it would be Janelle's name in the profile instead of mine, and that's how I knew that I wasn't dating John anymore. Just like cycle around, and so one day Janelle's mom called my mom, and she was like, "Your your daughter is a little slut." My mom's like, "Telling me something I don't know." Um, my mom was like sure sure my daughter has problems do you know what she's not doing getting fingered in a bathtub Like, oh jesus mom um true but oh jesus um and so uh she just like stuck up for me when she needed to and also we would watch law and order together a lot svu hell yeah yeah not criminal intent fuck criminal intent right we watched law and order svu so i basically got my sex education from ice tea which is fine. No. <laughs> Which is fine. Because, like, he's killing it, right? Does anybody else feel like iced tea is, like, absolutely, like, a clean wrapper for, like, kids' birthday parties? I feel like that's, like, his dream job. But, anyways, uh, like I said, my parents weren't really around too much. So this story happens when my mom kind of left once in the middle of us watching lot of RSVU, kind of abruptly. I'm like, are you going to do dishes? What are you, you going to do a puzzle and coke? What are you going to do? So I watched her go out of our house and back in the back back alley to this neighbor's house and we called him Bill the bee guy his name was Bill, he kept bees, Not creative. But this is what happened. He also always just wore his beekeeper outfit and just drove like a sketchy Scooby-Doo down. It was really on brand for him. Um, But so one time my mom went to his house. I'm like, what the fuck is she doing? Um, And she just disappeared for a while. And at this time I was like, I have a Harriet the Spy Kit and I'm going to put it to use. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Got my decoder pen out. Had no reason to use it. Um, Just spying on her. I could just see her. It was fucking stupid. But she went to there, and she's gone a long time. I was like, what's going on? She came back, and um, I went to follow her up into uh, our spare room. Had a little Patriot's locker, because we're from Boston. Go Pats. Um, And she put something in there. She was in there for a while. So I went and followed her upstairs, and I, and I went into the spare room, and um, I went into the locker, and I found what I now know to be just, like, the largest bag of the shittiest weed I have ever seen in my entire life because I'm never not high, so I know. And I found it, and, like, at this time, I was very, very into the D.A.R.E. program. was really nice to me. He always gave me mints when I visited his office, which I realize now is very creepy. Uh, but he was a good guy, and I feel like he had a lot going on in his marriage. So um, so I just was like, no, this is bad. Drugs are bad. No one can smoke weed. This is stupid. And like, I was like 12. So I found the weed, and I just immediately was like, I was just pissed. I was just so pissed. I was like, this is so... I just mm, like just so mad and so I took it to my mom and I'm like mom why can't we have a normal family (laughs) just so pathetic and she just like looks at me and she just laughs she just laughs for so so long and she's like okay sweetie come on give me my weed (laughs) A give me my weed (laughs) Um, B what are you talking about like just put it away what are you going through my stuff for she was just very much like did did not want to acknowledge the fact that I had any legitimate feelings about this which now I'm like cool mom, right? Yeah, cool mom, 420 blaze it. So right after that, um, we, you know, she was like, fine, and we kind of went we went down and we watched Family Feud pre-Steve Harvey, because fuck Steve Harvey. Okay, fuck all of you.
0: Uh,
5: no, I don't like Steve Harvey, but anyways, we watched Family Feud and it was fine, because mostly what we did was watch TV together because we weren't able to have the real conversations. But, um, like, now i look back on it and for me it's just kind of really funny because the most normal thing that me and my mom do together now when i go home and visit boston is just get like so unbelievably high and watch law and order sbu and just like shit talk janelle DeCarlo. carlo oh. yeah because that girl has like eight kids so <laughs> i feel like i'm winning
2: You. Allie Dixon, everybody! Give it up for her! One time, thank you so much for sharing, Allie. Yeah. Um, we got one more performer for y'all to share with. Uh, how y'all feeling, huh? Yeah! So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I feel like you should. Thank you guys for being here in the space. Our final performer, he was a finalist and the funniest person, Austin. He's a very unique voice here in the Austin comedy scene. I love him a lot. Uh, everybody give it up for Jared Hawley! Yeah.
6: i never made it to the final, dog. I've never even made it to the next round. I probably never will. It's cool, though. Fuck all that shit. Uh, I was trying to figure out what I should talk to y'all about, but... uh, I changed my mind a lot, because I'm stupid. But uh, I, I used to I used to work for this um, company that moved furniture from places to places. And I got booked to do this job one time where they was like, all right, you can go to the Owl Tower downtown. You're gonna box up a couple things and you're gonna drive this big-ass truck with three boxes in it all the way down there. And I was like, cool, that's all I gotta do? And they're like, yeah, and you're gonna fly back, so. I was like, all right, this is going to be tight. <laughs> so, like, I'm getting my fan and loaded kit together because I like to do drugs and shit. <laughs> I got good time, Charlie. <laughs> and, uh, my boss tells me, he's like, man, you got to stop four times on this trip. So I was like, because the textile and regulations. And I'm not going to get into the technical shit because y'all probably got educations. <laughs> And uh so I go to the aisle tower get my clearances and shit. I box up three fucking computers from the nineteen eighties, some old ass Apple computers. I'm like, y'all couldn't FedEx this shit. And they're like, no, it has to be hand carried and shit. I got and I was like, I gotta drive this shit to Delaware? I was like, cool. So I set it up with my boss to go to Dallas. The first night because I was like man I got people in Dallas I can party there because every city I picked was a city I can party in because you know why not I'm on vacation you know, and vacation and road trips and shit is one and one and so I get on the trip and I get to Dallas Dallas is dope meet up with my graffiti nigga he does yeah he likes to paint on walls because he's a he's a child still <laughs> but uh he cool <laughs> So we hang out. You know, I'm doing party drugs all night. I mean, stuff. I'm just going to say stuff because I don't want to say drugs no more. Because I feel like that's giving the fun a bad name if you call it drugs. So just call it stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm doing. This party stuff, I'm having fun, I'm a, I meet this chick we call a street, street nut, cause that's what a nut got at, and um, you know, long story short, I wake up early, cause I gotta get back to work, and I start driving, I'm about an hour outside of Texarkana, and I got two bags of party fun in my pocket, and I got a big bag of weed in my backpack, and I'm like, I should be fine. And then uh, this cop fucking starts to fuck with me Because he sees my big old truck And then I kind of get stuck behind a trailer A tractor trailer or some shit And the cop ends up fucking with me Getting in front of me And then coming behind me And then doing that shit Eventually he just pulls me over To put me out of my fucking misery And he comes over to the passenger, the passenger window And he's like, hey, get out the car And come in the truck with me I'm like, fuck, this dude has a canine unit truck I'm going to fucking jail and so I get out the truck and I can't see him because he's on the passenger side I got that big truck and I can't see his car. So I grab my two party bags and I pop them in my mouth and I try to swallow them. But them shits get stuck in my throat. <laughs> and I'm just like, mm-hmm. And I talk to He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, mmm. He's like, what do you do? I was like, mmm couple. He's like, like, mm-hmm. like, like, mm-hmm. like alright, where are you going? I'm like, Stuck, and I'm just like fuck. Like I'm gonna throw up. Like, and dude was like, "What are you moving?" I just tell him like, "I got three boxes in there." He's like, "What do you mean you have three boxes in here?" I was like, "There's three fucking boxes. It's fragile. It's fragile shit." I don't know, man. You want to look in there? He's like, "Can I search your vehicle?" And I was like, "Man, you can look back here if you want to." And then, sure enough, he gets back there, looks, has a little flashlight and shit in there, trying to be deputy dog. dirty <laughs> like ass pig. And then he's like, we gotta wait. I still got this shit stuck in my throat. He's like, while we're waiting, uh, come and get in the car with me. And I'm just like, man, fuck you, man. Just let me be outside, man. Maybe I can finesse something and puke and get away with this. And then I was like, fuck it. I get in the car with him, and I'm just sitting there looking at him, and he's just talking to me, and I'm just, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then my nerves are shaking, and I hear him. He's like, can I get a K9 unit? We're <laughs> text like can a man with nobody should fucking be and then the dog shows up and we're kind of on an incline so when they get the dog there they put the dog in the back of the truck the back of the truck's sick so the dog just burr, slides all the way down the fucking back of the truck hits the wall doesn't smell a goddamn thing by the time all this shit's happening the coke I mean, the party stuff gone down my throat and I swallowed that The fucking dude does a circle around the truck and I'm like, fuck, my bag of weed. I'm going to jail for weed. Ain't never been arrested in my life. I'm about to go to jail for some fucking funky ass weed. Weed was funky. It was good. (laughs) But I ended up, the cop just goes, hey, you smoke marijuana? I was like, no, sir. He's like, all right, you good to go. What? What? One And then I went to the next gas station And stuck my finger on my throat And threw them two bags up oh. Off to Nashville Nashville was tight Went to the strip club Strip and put a dollar on my pussy And popped it off That was cool The next stop, Delaware Everybody looked like DMX And it was cold and then, I dropped the four boxes off, and they're like, "All right, now you gotta return the, you gotta get rid of the rental truck." And I was like, "Where the fuck do I take this?" They're like, "Philly." I'm like, "Oh great." (laughs) One thing about Philly, Philly is full of
0: retards,
6: (laughs) and there's people who I I don't know what's wrong with Philly. they just had no common sense or manners. I, I wasn't tripping, no, I had a bandana with a lock on it, so I wasn't really worried about that. And I kept trying to get a cab, and I asked the lady, I was like, I was like, what's the address to this gas station? She was like, I don't know that, you don't have to go on the back, and I was like, there is no back. Like, what, and then I asked this other dude, I was like, the, the rental truck dude, he was just some, I thought he was a homeless dude, I just was like, fuck it, the truck is here, here are the keys. And I was like, man, what's, Where, what's the address here? He's like, what, you need a cab? I'll call that for you. I was like, nah, you're not calling my cab, man. I'm not fucking stupid. <laughs> so eventually I go to a bar, and the bar calls me a cab because I tell him I'm too drunk. So he's like, yeah, I'll help you get a cab. I get a cab outside the bar. And then I go to Ruby Tuesdays because it's right next to my hotel. <laughs> I end up spending $300 at Ruby Tuesdays. <laughs> Steak, lobster, and whiskey (laughs) (laughs) Me and this Cajun dude Turned up And then the Cajun dude left And uh, this group of uh, Like-minded individuals Came in and they were just like Yo, what's up, man? I smell a gas I was like, yo, what's up with it? We go out and murdered out suburban And Smoke a bunch of weed. <laughs> Outside of Ruby Tuesdays after the circuit turf was tight. <laughs> oh I love circuit turf. Sure then after that, we went to uh oh no. Yeah, I went back to my hotel room. I left out a um, line for party, so I could get on the airplane at four in the morning. I make the shuttle to the airport, and I'm white. Right as I'm on the airplane, that bitch takes off and it's flashing the seat so I gotta throw up, <laughs> and I'm like, man, fuck this. I hate my life.
0: <laughs>
6: and there's, I don't have a bag. I don't have shit. So I'm just kind of sitting there, like holding it back. And it's like six in the morning. I don't even know if I'm hungover or what the hell's wrong. I'm just fucked up. <laughs> Because Ruby Tuesdays is that shit. And uh, I weathered the storm. And then I, as soon as that sign comes off, I ran in the bathroom, puked all in it. I was nice. I cleaned it up. Because, I mean, it was a free ticket and a free ride to Delaware. But I don't know. Enjoy your jobs. <laughs>
2: Oh Oh yeah! Thank you, guys, everyone, for being in the space. Give it up for yourselves for being here. Thank you, guys, so much listening room, find it on iTunes, and a uh, fun thing in the future, the Out of Bounds Comedy Festival that's coming through in end of August, September. Uh, the listening room is going to be a part of that, so if you got your tickets, you can see us there. Tell your friends about it, see us next month. Thank you guys so much for being here. Oh, donations in the popcorn bucket in the back. Throw some donations in there. Thanks, everyone.
0: Bye-bye. <laughs> International.